Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. I know him. He'll be here to take pictures with all the children. Yeah. Just keep your receipts. 10 a.m. tomorrow. 10 a.m. tomorrow. Santa's coming to town. Yes. Can you sign this for me? Oh, hi. Santa's coming. I love the passion of Buddy the Elf. He's become a household favorite, in fact, iconic even in our household. I can only imagine that day when I uh, watch that clip, I think about the excitement when Jesus comes back. I just so think we have this underrated uh, excitement of what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back. I'm talking Santa's coming, but Jesus is coming, y'all. And when he comes back, it's going to be so real. So fun, so cool, so amazing, no more pain, no more tears. A time of celebration. Now, we got to take a little inventory in the house this morning. Uh, First, I want to introduce myself. My name is Jerome, and I get to be the pastor here. I like to think of it as team lead because there's so many of us that are serving and sharing and giving together. And really, Jesus is the chief shepherd of this operation here. And so he's running things. My wife is back with Kid City right now. And so we have five kids under eight. And uh, anytime you want to pray for us, please. Um, I, this morning, normally I get here early and I get to pray in this, this solitude and Jesus, you're amazing. And we decided to do this Christmas Eve journey in the van together this morning. And uh, to say the experience was a lot different than my prayer time would, would um, yeah, it was crazy. It's like, oh, stop, put it down. I want to stay here, you know. Oh, help us. Um, but here, who here, come on, don't be afraid to admit this. Who here is still scared of the dark? Even kids, okay, we got some people scared of the dark. Who here sleeps with their nightlight on still? Okay, when you're a kid, that's okay. Um, But as you get a little older, it's a little weird. And let let me break this down. I don't think it's so much that we're scared of the dark. We're scared of what lies around the dark. Maybe the boogeyman, the monster, and it's just around this corner. And you're always kind of freaked out. I I remember this story running home as a kid. Um, we, we living in Mason, you could kind of yell a few blocks away, like get home, you know, and you could hear it. Oh, it's time for me to come home. And we would do this thing like flashlight, uh, in a, in a, it was a, it was a funeral home that we would play and we would run around the yard and it would be real night, uh, real dark out. And then mom would yell, come on, I come home. And I remember in that time it was pitch black. No one's on the sidewalk. Um, it's Mayberry, Mason. No one's out past like 7.30. So we're rebels. The cops know our name at like nine years old if we're out at 8.45 p.m. And so I would sprint so fast going past these homes. And I was always thinking, what's around this corner? Something's here. <gasps> and you, 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 nothing ever happened. But I say that as an illustration. I think that's a lot like our lives right now. We're running so fast, scared of the darkness, Something's going to pop out, and we're living afraid all the time because we think we're going to get caught, we're going to get in trouble, someone's going to be mad at us, we're going to get punished, 
the boss isn't going to be happy, and we find ourselves living in fear. Now, one of the best things of Christmas has to be the lights. We went to Domino's Farms one time, and it is lit up, home of Domino's Pizza, and they take all that money that they make off me and you when it's, our willpower is really low at Friday, and they create this huge light extravaganza. You can drive through it. Now, I got a picture of lights here. How many knows what this ball of mess feels like and looks like? When you see this, it's not an invitation that says, come. It's a frustration. In fact, what I believe is that there's this thing um, called a light demon that, that, that the company that invented the lights in Rubbermaid, the Tupper, they're, they're in on it too. They pay money to make sure the light demons tangle that thing. So then a few light bulbs get out and you got to go buy some more or you even got to hire somebody. So I think the contractors are in on it too, this light demon thing. I think everybody's in cohorts that what, what are we doing? There's always a light bulb out, isn't there? Always. In our life, there's always a light bulb out, it feels like. I think Jesus here wants to ignite us so strong this today. I think that today is not just a moment to come to church. It's not a moment to think we got to get ready and it's part of this religious duty or this exercise, but God wants to strip the nonsense away and he wants you to come home with him and in him this morning. I was praying for you backstage and I was thinking of this, that if the light of the world could ignite you and could ignite me, how bright would this place be? I hope there's some freedom in this place this morning. The darkness in our life is a lot similar to how this woman would have felt in the first century. It was the darkness of her bedroom, the darkness of her heart, and just before she met Jesus, she gets exposed. There's some Christian elephants in the room I just want to call out real quickly. First elephant is this. Is Christmas Jesus' birthday? As they arranged the calendars in the first century, it looked a lot different than today. There wasn't selfies. There's not agendas and Google calendar invites you can send to everybody. And stories were told and they'd be passed down from generation to generation. And to preserve something in writing was very serious. Not everyone could write and read. And what we found is that scholars started to align and say, oh, it happened right about here. So many do believe it's right in December, right around the time. But the main point is not the exact date, but the event that Jesus came. Second thing would be this, the elephant. There's some hurt in this room and there's some hope in this room. Christmas for my family represents some of the darkest hours because six years ago we lost my aunt and it's... Uh, she, she left behind two children. Now, my aunt was two years younger than me. That gives you a framework of what our family world is like. And um, it was a great uh, upbringing, Love, loved her, and, and unexpectedly, she lost her life and leaves behind two young children that my grandma now takes care of. And, and so Christmas always got that kind of tone that you feel the, the, the okay, let's celebrate because we got life, but yet this also disappointment that she's not here. And so whether you're here with hurt or you're here with hope, I want to give you the freedom and permission that God has given us tears and it's okay. They're a gift. Let them flow. That God has given you excitement. It's a gift. Let it flow. Now the story we're going to read today was not included in the early manuscripts. 
What that means is as they found Bible literature, as they went back, they didn't find the story inserted in the early manuscripts. In fact, the ESV puts a little cross note and a little footnote, and you look real closely, it says it's not included in the early manuscripts. So what are you saying, pastor? Did this really happen? Can we trust the Bible? And scholars have said this, that this story probably happened, and here's why. Because to be included, it would have been uh, already counted claimed as counterfeit by so many that were eyewitnesses to this experience and that it was so important to include, they probably added it later. Because John's writings say this at the end of his gospel. It says that, I suppose if all the books in the world couldn't hold all the things that Jesus has done, there's more things that Jesus did. And so I think it's really fitting this morning in a Christmas kind of festive spirit to get around the campfire and tell the story that wasn't even included in the original text you know, isn't that the whole story of Christmas get you excited about faith? And what I found in studying scripture, this one big story, just to teach for a second, there's one big story. There's only one story throughout the whole Bible. It's Jesus, God's redemptive plan. So you're traveling this journey and we're getting real close by the campfire, listening to this moment that was probably passed down from story to story to story. And finally, they said, we have to include this. That's how amazing this is. And then the last elephant would be this. You're going to need faith to engage today, but you've been trained for it because you've probably stayed up for Santa at some point in your life too. I think that God has wired it that way because if he showed up today, you would have more evidence. I think God wanted the evidence to be deep in the mystery of your soul, to be carried on from 12 band of misfits that everyone rejected, to have this heroic moment that he rose from the grave and people affirmed and confirmed who he is. And then these band of misfits continued to love people through persecution, through suffering, through the Roman fall and the black plague that they showed up and they were amongst the oppressed people. And so today, it takes faith to celebrate. And maybe you don't have that. Today's a good time to start. Let's pick up the story of the adulterous woman in John chapter 8, verse 3. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they had said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? See, in the Old Testament, adultery is a capital offense. Now, kids, it means she did something really bad, and you can ask your parents later. Good luck. May the force be with you. So these guys catch this woman in the act of adultery, and they bring her to Jesus, and they say to Jesus, Jesus, this is a bad woman. The law says we should stone her. And what they're meaning is we should put her to death. Isn't that what the rule book says? Now, we have a gift here on stage. And I want to give this gift to somebody. It's a real special gift. Or at least it's a special gift. I don't, I don't know if this gift... Let me hold on. Let me just come on right here. I'm feeling it over here. Who's this special gift go to? This special gift? I think this special gift... Hi, Marissa. My goodness, what's up here? A special gift goes to you. Open it up. Show us what's in there. What is it? They're toy handcuffs. <laughs> Look. 
Here's what's crazy about that. This is just like the scribes and the Pharisees. And too often, this is just like us. Rule following, and we love to catch somebody else in trouble. Tattletellers, whistleblowers, narcs, you name it, insert whatever your reference is. But God, hear this, God has not called us to be the sin police. So here they, ha- they think they have her caught. Look, we want to handcuff her. Now, this isn't cops and robbers that Jesus came. He did not con- come to condemn the world, but to save the world and bring freedom. Imagine how she must have felt, caught in the act, probably a setup. And notice the guy is nowhere to be found. So the Pharisees just happened to be right there to catch her in the act. Isn't that everybody's worst nightmare? That your darkest hour is put on blast and you're exposed? I mean, how would you feel to be in the middle of your worst act and then to be instantly brought into the court system and say, oh, and then to know, get this, to know that the punishment for your act is death, is death. Now, the gospel is so scandalous, I'm loving it right now because it is so messy that there's just no way that you can be normal today when you listen to Jesus. I'm not sure what kumbaya story you heard, but I'm telling you, Jesus is so real. And he's so awesome that even the thief on the cross that believed in him could come in to paradise just by belief. Now, as we think about darkness... This woman had to have been living in a dark time, uh, making bad decisions for some time, for an extensive period, so much that she's caught in the middle of the act. So they probably have this type of pattern and behavior of her, that they know exactly who and how, that they can frame her in this specific moment. Now, sin is super dark, and it hurts, and darkness is not cool. We are children of the day Scripture teaches. I remember it was a huge epiphany for me when God had radically changed my life from all kinds of stuff, addiction, anger, still working some of that out, and, and more. Okay, you're judging me. I, trust me. Um, I'm worse than you think, but I'm more saved than you could believe. I do pursue holiness, though. So get this, that in her darkest hour, as we think of sin and we think of the gravity of it, I remember being transformed and then reading about that we are children of the day and thinking back, oh, my teacher was right. Nothing good happens after 10 p.m. Now, I did read once that if you want to increase your love life, that you dim the lights and it starts to create a mood that um, even embellishes the, the, the character of uh, whoever you're with, your partner. And, and so that's just a little tip right there. That'd be the only time that it's probably good to dim your life. But spiritually speaking, you should never dim your life. <laughs> Someone's uncomfortable. Did he say love life or is he saying dim the lights? Yeah. I think God wants us to take off the masks. And what a better day than CE time. Christmas and Easter. What a better day than today. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. God wants to transform our lives. See, here's what darkness and sin does. It dims our ability to see. It makes us feel like the boogeyman's right around the corner. And we we say to people, why are you judging me? But what is happening is really condemnation from Satan. But God is wanting to use that as conviction for change. And so that feeling you get that even listen to the story, uh uh-oh, 
we all know our Rolodex of issues causes us to live in fear. There's the, uh, there's the shirt that stood out to me by this performer. His name was C. Light. He went on to get signed by Reach Records and his name's Andy Minio. And he used to have these shirts called Sin is Whack. And I loved it because it was a mantra that just sin is not to be accepted or embraced or something that we kind of hold on to. It's not like P.F. Chang's where we want a dark setting. We want to bring out the bright light, the light of the world and expose all of our sin because we don't want to live in that type of fear, that type of tangled, that type of light situation that we're always battling. Let's continue the story in verse six. This they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin, you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down and he wrote on the ground. Now, how many here today would love to know what Jesus wrote on the ground? There's speculation that Jesus might have referenced Deuteronomy 9, and he might have started writing on the ground like this, the Ten Commandments. Oh, no, they're God's before me. And he's writing it down. He's looking at them. They're like, yeah, Ten Commandments. He brought the law. They're excited. They're at the edge of their seat. And then finally, they go a little bit longer, and he's continued to maybe write the law just down. And I love it that some people even say the reason he's referencing the ground, writing on the ground, is because where did you and me come from? The dust. And what's he got power over? Everything. So as he's writing, he gets to the, probably the ninth and the end of the command, and he says, thou shall not covet your neighbor's wife. And he probably winks up at him, and he's got them now. They were excited and anticipated that they were going to catch Jesus in condemning her. And then out here, they feel that they're condemned and they're convicted. You can imagine the sorrow on their faces, thinking that they had this great moment that they were going to get Jesus trapped. They had this moment where they caught somebody else. And then they had this moment realizing, wait, we were probably close enough, if we were to think about this, talking about it as narration. They're close enough to see the act and yet in their own heart, probably covet the act. So here they find themselves in the guilty chair as well. Have you ever approached somebody like the sin police and then you're convicted a little bit later? <laughs> the scriptures talk about that. Be very gentle, very careful how you approach somebody lest you stumble as well. When you're not dealing with that, it is so easy to come in like, you know, Rambo. We aren't Rambo here. No one's got a, an AR-15, no one's by themselves, and no one's as shredded as him, and, and no one's like that. Spiritually speaking, we're a band of people that are broken, that found hope, that are saved in a savior, and gently trying to bring the whole family together. I like the verbiage, no soldier left behind. I think the main point in that moment is what Jesus was saying was he had authority over the law. It's consistent with the whole New Testament that Jesus is the fulfillment and he has authority over. See, the law is a teacher and it points us to someone. When you know you failed the test, you're trying to look for an answer. Have you felt you failed? Have you found in life that you need a savior yet? Oftentimes it takes for us to meet the end of ourselves to start the beginning of God. What a day to celebrate today.
What's he saying? What's he want? He wants a cookie? That's, I knew we should have covered those up until after service. I joked around saying I need to preach extra hard today. I need to bring, bring out the cloth. I think we need the organ too because I'm trying to eat cookies. I'm trying to eat cookies, so I'm trying to burn a couple extra calories. Man, cri- Christmas sweets is serious. Um, just disclaimer, it's, it's, not, it's real life out there. People are giving you all kinds of stuff, and now I know what it meant, get behind me, Satan. That's contextual to 2017. Now, Jesus said this in John 12. He said, the light among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. Are you afraid of the lights? What could be even worse is to be spiritually blind. Being married gets messy. Dating gets messy. Parenting gets messy. Finances is messy. And when we're finding our life outside the will of God in the darkness, we're always making decisions that make us stumble and get tangled up, constantly exposed before God. In verse 9, it says, And when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. The story, friends, this morning is about exposure. Now, just the woman who was exposed originally, they are all exposed. And the older people are leaving one by one, probably because they remember more of their sins. Ha! I'm out. And they just leave. And I think the opposite is true, though, in our culture, because if we've gotten good at sin... The, the older you are, the more cemented and seared your consciousness is, and you're in your position, like, ha, ha, ha. It's like, I'm a warrior. You're like, yeah, love it, you know. It's just, what, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. You're like, yeah. It's just like, but wait, 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 wait. We've got to stop for a second and say, whoa, the stakes is super high. This is an eternal decision, eternal gravity, eternal weight. And we've got to ask questions and say, well, why are we here How did I get here? Is there a savior? Why is there evil? What is going on? Why is there still wars? You know, I find it so interesting that we can send somebody to Mars now, highlight Elon Musk, but we can't solve world peace because there's something deep-rooted in the heart of mankind that God came to fix and free us of today. This has to be one of um, the f- favorite moments that I witness in Scripture. Because now as all people have left, it's just Jesus and the woman. In fact, the one who was there and over the law, who could condemn her so deeply. That Jesus doesn't, get this, okay? Jesus doesn't just know her moment of sin in that time. He knows everything she's ever done. You think of guilty We've referenced here at City Life many times the verbiage of standing before a judge and what that would feel like. And I don't know if you've ever stood before a judge or been in a courtroom, but it is very sobering. The amount of fear and tension is strong. That in a gavel's hit, they can make a decision that will adjust your life for a period of time and even your lifetime. 
And to know you're guilty, that's real life. And here's the thing. We're all in the same boat apart from Jesus. Guilty, broken, no hope. We can never do enough to get ourselves right. Are you seeing the contrast and how beautiful the good news is? In Luke 12, Jesus says that nothing um, is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in dark shall be heard in the light. I've, I've, I've rested here before. Okay, what? Oh, man. And what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. You imagine just over all, think of the, the, the jumbotron at like the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. And just every bad thought you've ever had, every dark moment, just it's like, oh no, you know? People talk about they're scared of their dream where they're running around nude, like school or something. I was like, ah, oh, no. That is a scary moment to stand face to face before Jesus because everything will be revealed. We will be exposed. So in other words, it's like this. We're all like the woman. We've all been caught in the act. We all miss it. And there will come a time when we're all standing before God face to face. Now, if you're under the age of 15, I want to educate you in what this is. This is a camera. <laughs> and this is before there was phones. And I think, uh, let, let's just predict for a second, maybe in, this could be prophetic. I think we'll get to a point where you just think about taking a picture and somewhere on you, is just, it's just part of you, and pictures happen. And so somebody won't even believe a phone. I don't know if you've seen that commercial where somebody's got an iPad, they say, and the parent comes out, and they say, hey, put your computer away. I say, what's a computer? See how fast it's progressing? Now, the thing about this is, um, it's, what God is saying here is he takes pictures of all of our dark moments, and he's got them all. He's got that moment where we cheated on our taxes, He's got that moment where we just kind of, we're a little shady with our employer. He's got that moment when it felt like, <sighs> still not forgiving your ex. Is it your ex-husband? Is it your ex-wife? What is the moment? He's got that moment when it's like, when you're at the computer thinking nobody's around, you're trying to delete the search history. Just over and over and over again. And you can think about it. If God had all of your pictures this morning of your darkest moments, what would they look like? Just got to see, oh. And he's kind of sitting there with her. He's like, oh, woman, this is great. In fact, this is where it gets, starts to get so powerful. Because Jesus compared to all other gods, this is how most gods are presented. Oh, let's look at your life. You are junk. Look at it. In fact, they wanted to bring up one moment. Oh, I just want to bring up a lot more. You ever found when you're fighting with somebody, you start bringing up something from, I'm talking old school. <laughs> Sometimes Chris will be like, come on, we already dealt with that. And I'm bringing up something. I'm like, yeah, well, I just wanted to reference that back in 06, you know. And she's like, well, remember you did this and that? I'm like, oh, you're right. All right, let's stop this game. <laughs> Flash, flash, flash. I'm here this morning to say Christmas Eve in the message of Jesus is not a message of darkness, but rather of hope. It's a message of power. 
In verse 10, Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And she said, neither do I condemn you. Go from now on, sin no more. Jesus face to face with the woman. When he says woman, every female in the room, I want you to hear this loud and clear. Maybe you've um, met so many men that have domineered society and it's so hard. And I think where a lot of rights and activist movements come from is a place of righteousness even. They want freedom. They want to be heard. They're sick of being outcast and, and, and oppressed and, and even depressed from situations and people are marginalized and minimizing them and, and, and just saying your voice isn't worth anything. And when Jesus says woman in that moment, it's not like woman, like woman, get your place. What he's saying is it's the same verbiage he said about his mom. It's with dignity, love, trust, and respect. There's so many layers in God's word. Just this week, I was reading Exodus. And it said that God heard the struggles in the oppression of his people under Pharaoh. God's timing is so much different than ours, but his response is always true to bring freedom and dignity for the oppressed, the broken, the marginalized, the outcast, those that are felt beat down and whooped. And here's where the Christmas verse starts to shine, where the story got inserted. And the original manuscript picks up and it says, and Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He gives them a Christmas verse. This story about exposure is one of um, one of film. When they process film, have you ever heard of a thing called the dark room? In the dark room would be where they take the, the negatives in and it can't be light because if light hits the, the, the picture in the film, that, that it'll get ex exposed and then you won't see the picture anymore. And so here is the light of the world and it's a lot like Jesus when he's saying this with the film, he's saying, hey, when you get close to me, all of your darkest moments in a second get exposed and they're all erased and they're all gone. So I don't condemn you. So go and sin no more. Maybe you've thought of Jesus as your grandpa who's tough on you or your step parent. I pray today that the light of the world would be by himself in a category all alone that wouldn't look like your boss or any other power and position of authority, but you would see the one that could condemn you, the one that could convict you, the one that created it all comes down to be low with you and present with you in your darkest hour to show his brightest power. That's the gospel of grace. That in our darkest hours, that's the moments when God shows his brightest power. Now, some people could say, well, is it a... 
Is it God's grace to be caught? Well, absolutely, because he wants to bring freedom. Is it God's grace that brought you here today and the conviction you feel and, and maybe sin in areas that you want to get better? Yeah, it's God's freedom. Will you be perfect? Will it be easy overnight? No, but there's God's freedom here this morning. In the end of scripture in Revelation 22, it says the night will be no more. There will be no need of light of a lamp or sun because the Lord God will be their light and will reign forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. When Jesus talks about he's the light of the world, he means it. And all those that follow him will walk in darkness no more. They will go in sin no more. And that is the gift of grace. So as we land here, we're going to sing a song in a minute, but I want to challenge us. And it's just these next few moments we have together. As you look at this gift tag, it says from and it says to. Most gift tags say to and then they say from, right? To so-and-so, from uh, Santa, from mom and dad. When you think of what Jesus has done, it's like this, from heaven, you can't get there, but to you, if you open it up, the price you could never pay, you could never buy, but if you just receive it, you're given brand new life. That Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, behold, I am with you always. That is the greatest present that we could ever have this season. This week, I have found myself getting kind of looking at the schedule. Where do we got to go? How do we got to do? Who do we got to buy for? And it's exhausting. <laughs> it is silly. It is absolutely silly. But when I stopped and remembered that it was about God with me and people and to exercise patience and to give an opportunity of this message that you don't have to be condemned, the light of the world is present, I started to get excited again. I hope today that you're calibrated and you get excited about what is the greatest gift of any season, Jesus. Always, forever, Jesus. heard the word lit? Do you know that phrase? Lit? Like that's lit. Do you know that one? So, you guys know that? Some older people are looking at me and the younger people are like, that word's already out, but I'm trying to bridge the gap. All right. <laughs> so we know lit's not there for you anymore, but this just still trying to get up here when they think lit, like, what do you want me to light? A fire? Well, lit is this expression for, for fun or even it's a normally associated with party and negative behavior. And it's like, that's lit, that's lit, and, and it's just lit. Um, but I was thinking about this life that's lit in the light of the world. You know what's the, the most lit thing of all time? Is when a life falls on their knees and bows to Jesus Christ. As the greatest display of glory. So here's where we end. We end take an inventory before God of all of our pictures and asking for grace. Will you uh, just take a moment and maybe close your eyes if you feel comfortable? And I don't do this to coerce you. I do this to, to just give you a moment to recognize that, hey, this is not about the stage thing. It's about the you thing. It's about your chair right there, your brain, your family, your spirit, your moment right here, right now, you and God here today. As we get ready to approach 2018, the number eight means new. I believe God wants to do some new things in us, that it's a new year and a new you. If 
you're here today and you're saying, man, I, I, I really want forgiveness. I want a new start. I want to be tight with Jesus. I recognize the grace he's given me and I want to receive that this morning. For real, I want to pray with you. On the count of three, would you just raise your hand? One, two, three. See hands going up. And uh, you're, if you're serious about it, we don't normally do this at City Life, but I think it was important today as I was praying. Uh, would you just stand up if you're serious about that? Here's why. Because her moment of greatest display of darkness became God's moment for greatest display of his brightness. And, and I think sometimes making a public step is worth something because it costs you something. You start thinking around, well, who's seeing me? What knows? Or did I, did I hear him right? What am I, did I, who cares? I remember going up front for prayer all the time, all the time. And I remember thinking stupid thoughts like this. Everyone's thinking, what did I do? I've been up here every day. Everyone was already wondering, who's the new kid with all this energy? It's a, it's a news flash. It's a lot of times like the world is, and we're afraid of the world when they get saved. They take some time. And so I'm here to tell you this, God is not afraid of any of your issues. And he is so geeked about you today that he wants to hit a new start and he wants his light to just shine and then erase all your photos. Amen? Now, if you're here today too, and I wanna pray for some people, that if you say, I wanna be uh, challenged by the thought of go and sin no more. What did Jesus mean by that? Go and sin no more. If that's you today, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. I, my hands are raised for this. And so I want you to stand if you're serious about that. Go and sin no more. Asking God for grace today. God, we need your grace today. We need your mercy today. Go and sin no more. And now this is a little bit of an exercise, if you will, and I thank you for giving me this, uh, this freedom. And here's the exercise. It's to say, everybody you see standing or even sitting, we are in this thing together. It is better together. We're gonna need each other no matter what's coming. It is not easy. We're gonna see Lansing transform. We're gonna see our schools alive. We're gonna see our neighborhoods transform. It is going to take us side by side. I'm telling you, we're gonna have to give up some pride. So, thanks for coming to church today because we're not playing church. We want to be the church. We want to be the church. We want to be the church. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this room. Some people, uh, for maybe the first time in their life, they're saying, God, take my sin, make me new. And you do that right now, in Jesus' name. God, there's many people in this place saying, I don't want, I want to go and sin no more. What the heck does that mean? I need grace. Today, I pray where all the weakness lies in our life that your glory, your love, your power, your position would just raise up right now. That baby Jesus got big and he's a grown man and he's raised from the dead and he left us to do the work by his spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelancing.com. You belong here.